We're blessed this morning to have Linda back with us, serving with us. So welcome back. I think Todd's back with us too. So Todd, it's good to see you. I also want to just say a special word of thank to, thanks to our altar guild who always do great work in blessing uh, our worship with the way that they prepare our sanctuary. And I thank them especially for this morning. G.K. Chesterton, some of you may be familiar with him. He says, I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. My Sir Eckhart said, if the only prayer you said in your whole life was thank you, that would suffice. Something to those words about the importance of of, of a nation saying at a time of season, thank you to God, but also as a church as we come to worship every week and every day and every moment to say thank you to God for his great gifts to us. We're looking in John 11 this morning. There is so much that we could dive into here to look at the compassion of Christ, of the way that he sympathizes as Hebrews says with our weaknesses as we see him broken and even weeping and that's what the Greek term means there weeping over Lazarus Uh, there's so much we could say here as well about the importance of belief John's gospel is pressing us over and over again for belief not just intellectual assent to a truth but to put everything we have in Christ completely depend on him and believe in him and you see that here that word coming up again and again in john's gospel a call to belief but also the power of christ we've seen this progression of miracles starting with water to wine but then these seven chosen miracles in john's gospel and what it says of his incredible power so much so by the end of this gospel john's going to say if i if we tried to write down everything jesus did it would fill the earth and he only gives us seven. And they, and they don't just speak of his power, but in a moment we're going to speak of what these seven miracles really talk about. There's so much here. Um, just a few verses this morning. And really, I want to I just stay in one verse. We could speak of his, his promise in verse 25. Of, of He's just revealed his death again but he's talking about resurrection that will come. We see his heart here, verse 42, his heart for others, for them to believe. Uh, We see the authority and power he has in 43. That'll preach. I know it's a preacher stretch and I'm cheating to say this. I admit that. But that, that Lazarus come forth, that Lazarus come out, that is so much of Jesus's life for you and for me. We prayed that in the offertory. Not only are we saved from sin and death right saved a great time but there's so much that he wants us to just say come out of that there's so much here about his authority and his power but this is verse 41 and i'm going to go ahead and tell you i'm a little frustrated with renee this morning i can i can share that with y'all i've been here long enough look we we talk some days when i give her those obscure verses she'll come in my office what what are you thinking about for this sunday okay how in the world did you give me this verse for children's sermon right but a lot of times we don't talk Renee just wrestles with the text. She prays over it. And once again, she has scooped my entire sermon. So, if you'll stand for the benediction, you wish. You wish. I heard y'all last week laugh at me. It's payback time. It's payback for last week. 
This is the book of signs in John's gospel. These are miracles that not only share the incredible power that Messiah brings, but it says something about who he is. These miracles, these seven select miracles, say something about his character and about his heart. You know, we, we joke about the water to wine miracle, right? But there's so much in that about who Jesus is and why he has come. And each one of these miracles, from the healing of the blind to here, the raising of the dead, that say so much about him, especially what's happening around it. And even here, as much as we could say all about that, in verse 41, we see a deepening uh, reflection of Jesus' heart and his character. It's just like Jesus. Look, look at, if you just go through this passage, there is so much. If you just read the context of this passage, there's so much going on around the life of Jesus. You go back to the earlier in the passage, not only does he know Lazarus is going to die, that hurt and sting. This family that he would, at Holy Week, he doesn't stay in Jerusalem except the night of his death, the night of his trials. He's always going to Bethany to be with them. These, these who are so close to him, knowing Lazarus is going to have to suffer that. And then on top of that, when he gets there, and he knows he's, it's going to happen when he gets there, Mary and Martha, and dealing with their hurt and their frustration and their questions. But also going back to the beginning of this chapter and hearing his disciples say, look, we know they've tried to kill you. Don't go. So there's the worry of what what they're going to be whining about and worried about as well intended as it may be or may not be. All that hurt, worry, pain, struggle. And what do you get in verse 41? And, and let's, let's, let's be honest, where are we? We're on the edge of Holy Week. This is it. It's this miracle, and then it's the end of your life. It's this miracle, then you go to your city and Everyone questions you. The people that you have come for first will question you and put you on trial, wrongly accuse you, and kill you. We still will never know, I don't even think in glory, the fullness of all that Christ suffered on the cross for us. That's in front of him. And then you've got this chapter of all he's experiencing here, and what's the words out of his mouth before this great miracle? I thank you, Father. How do you say that? with people in your ear, with hurt, with pain, with, with knowing that struggle and death is coming, knowing that you're going to be questioned by Mary and Martha. All of that and the words that come out of Jesus' mouth, Father, I thank you. It's going to be the same thing at the Last Supper, right? We celebrate that every month. Here he is. He's holding up bread that he knows, nobody gets it, but he knows my body in hours will be broken. I'm holding up a cup, and I know in hours my blood will be spilled out. And what does he do? After having given thanks to the Father, take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood. And it's not just here. You go back to Luke 10, 21, he's thanking the Father for revealing truth. You go back to Matthew 15, 36, before the feeding of the 5,000. Look at my power. No, before that and before this glorious expression of power, Lazarus, you come out. Not about me. Father, I want to thank you. Beautiful picture of the heart of Christ. Christ, to whom all thanks is due, is a thanks giver. 
It's a great word for us from John 11 about who he is. And he turns our attention to his father. We're going to find out in just a few sentences that Jesus' hour had come. This was the time for the Lamb of God to be glorified. That's why Bible scholars call John 13 through 17 the book of glory. It is now the time for the Son of God to, to put His glory on display, and He does that through His cross. It's His time to be lifted up. Attention will now be on me, and the words out of His mouth is you. Thanks be to you. What a picture of the heart of the Son of God and a picture of who we ought to be. Uh, thanks to God, thanks to others, to note that, to note even our dependence on others. And it's interesting. You go to the Hebrew word for gratitude. Do you know the root word for the Greek word for gratitude actually means dependence? Now listen, that's not us, right? I was taught you pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you don't need anybody. But the very understanding of the word thanks means I have to be and live in dependence on God and on others. But we live in a dog-eat-dog -dog culture that does not allow for that. <coughs> Excuse me. Bill Urey told me one time he read in a business journal that they were telling uh, business people, don't ever say thanks. It's a sign of weakness. Because when you say thank you to somebody, that's meaning that they did something for you you couldn't do for yourself. Never, ever say thank thank you. I bumped into a preacher friend of mine uh, this past week. We had a meeting here at the church. He and I had started a, a ministry at the jail in Simpson County uh, together, and we were talking back and forth about different stories of that, and I shared a couple of weeks ago about one of those stories, but he reminded me that we had worked with um, the leadership there that they let us come in, and at Christmas and Thanksgiving, they let us come in and give socks uh, to the inmates. They let us give... Uh, uh, we actually did one, one deal where we came in and just had an ice cream social. And so we had ice cream for them, and we got to serve those guys one night. And we counted it up. We were talking back and forth. I think they had 102 in that facility, 102. And I only counted maybe 10. Then when we served them, did not say, thank you. They come through the line for an ice cream cone. It was thank you. And you put that against, and I still remember it. I was serving in McGee. That next Sunday after that, that, that uh, event, I always kept candy on my table or on my desk in my office, and kids would routinely come in and raid the candy so I could say hi to them or whatever. And I just remember that Sunday watching those kids do that, me just sitting back and listening. You know how many kids said thank you that Sunday? Bunch of godless heathens in McGee, Mississippi. <laughs> or could it just be in our abundance, in our busyness, in our fun, in our consuming, that we just forget to say thank you? How is that for you? Sarah and I met for the, because, because of the Lord, uh, but we met through the PCA church 
some great churches in the PCA church. They, they had, there was a division in the Presbyterian church decades ago. And the PCA church broke away. And it, when, that, when that happened, they had two missionaries. That was it. And so they're wanting to grow their missions, and they're worried about their missions. But one of those uh, missionaries was in uh, Acapulco, and his name was Dick Dye. I don't know if you remember Dick Dye, but uh, he was trying to start a church there and had basically no money and had no facility, was struggling uh, in a very small uh, denomination as they were beginning, and trusting the Lord— um, but he said, every time I do my prayers and my quiet time in the morning, I look out my window, and up on this hill, there was a cross. Somebody had put a, put a cross up at this, I think it was like a hotel or some kind of business on top of the hill. He said, every morning I just put my eyes on that cross, and I'd say, Lord, I'm thanking you even where I am, with hardly any people, no facilities, no money. I'm thanking you for your call upon my life and your call to, to reach the people here. And he just did that for weeks and weeks and months and months. And finally, it just, either from a nudge from the Lord or, or just a, a sense of gratitude for how in a dark time and a struggling time, and many of us have been there, you just got to keep your eyes on the cross. That's where you just got to keep your eyes on Jesus as you're walking through those days, right? So he said, I got to go up there and just tell that person thank you. He began to see some traction in his ministry. They were still struggling for facilities and money. So he goes up there to the owner and says, I, I just want to say thanks to you. I want you to know I live down, down the hill, but when I have my quiet time, I'm keeping my eyes on the cross. And for months now, as we've been struggling and worried about where we're going to meet and how we're going to make it, it's, it's been the sight of the cross that has kept me, that has encouraged me. So I just, wanted, I just wanted to say thank you for that. You know what the, the owner of the hotel said. How can I support you? You're the only one. You're the first one in all these years that ever said thanks to me. Your church is going to meet here for free until you're ready to buy a facility, and I'm going to support your ministry. Just on and on, the way God provided for Dick Dye and his ministry there. Why? Because he, he verbalized thanks. Um, it's a reminder to us the power of thanksgiving, the testimony. What would it be if you and I not only spoke a word of thanks to the Lord, but we went out of our way to speak a word of thanks into a family member's life, a, a co-worker's life? Uh, what would that be like? What might God be able to do uh, through that? Boy, it, just bump into Scripture and, we're so, and, and into real life, and it just seems like we can be we can be tight with that, to express our dependence on other people, our need for other people, the way other people have blessed and poured into our lives. I don't, I don't know if I want to expose myself to that and, and just share that, that I needed that. Can you do that? Will you do that? That's what Jesus does. Even in a hard time, he makes sure to give his thanks to the Father. And it's, and it's not just that. There's this other picture here that Jesus doesn't want us to miss. John doesn't want us to miss. And Renee picked up on this so beautifully today. Not only does Jesus give us his, his thanks, but we get a reminder here of the heart of God. 
that he is a listener. In verse 41, Jesus talks about it, that God listens to us. And it's the same thing the Spirit does. If you go to 1613, it says he will listen. And you watch the life of Jesus, all three persons of the Holy Trinity, constantly listening to each other, but also listening to us. You just don't find that anywhere, y'all. I'm having to read a 755-page book. That's just one of my books for this class I'm taking right now. Oh, no, I'm not bitter. But anyway, I'm having to read this 755-page book on the secularization of our age and how we've gotten to where we are, okay? And that for up until about the 15-1600s, atheism was never uh, a possibility. That Every culture believed in God. You were either a monotheist or a polytheist. I tell you, just tracings. That book, just kind of tracing some of the history of faith prior to the last three, four hundred years. Every God except our God could care less. It's been a reminder. He could care less about you. Impersonal. Distant. Disconnected. And yet what we have here is this picture of Christ, of the God who is transcendent. This creation stuff is not an accident or a mistake. He has formed it together, put you together, even made you in his image. And though he's most high and transcendent, he can't wait to hear what you will say next. What kind of personal God is that? It's never been thought of before in all of human history. Hasn't been thought since then. Nobody can conceive of that. And yet here comes Christ who not only says it, but he puts it on display. A God who eats with sinners. God who listens to the stories of brokenness. We serve a God, we love a God who listens. If you don't believe that, you need to push through that and know that God wants to hear from you. He's like no other so-called God ever. He desires that. He is a listener. Now here's, here's the thing then. Being made in His image, and for his glory, you and I have got to put that on display then as well. If Christ is a thanksgiver, I've got to be a thanksgiver. But if God is a listener, how is it you and I then, for his glory, but also to give that gift to others, how is it you and I need to do that better? One of y'all gave this to me, but it's, it's hunting season now. And apparently a lawyer and a doctor and a Methodist preacher all went out deer hunting recently. And a huge buck came passing by. Oh, nobody told each other, oh, do you see that? It was first come, first serve. They all drew weapons. Boom! And the deer goes down. And of course, all three go get it. And they all three claim victory. And that that was my shot that killed this animal. They were arguing so loud that it drew the attention of I think a game warden or some official that came out of the woods and says what's going on they're arguing we're I lawyer says I shot it doctor says I shot it Methodist preacher says look I know I shot it and the, the official looks down well of course yeah the preacher shot it he's not lying it's the preachers the doctor and the lawyer protest how in the world can you know that look at it the bullet went, went in one ear and out the other so <laughs> That's payback for last week. 
You listening? I'm going to ask you now, tell me everything Linda prayed about this morning. It's a beautiful prayer. Or was there a temptation to get, let your mind wander? Uh, were you listening to every lyric that we shared, these beautiful lyrics of our faith and thanks to God? It can be a struggle to keep our attention, right? We close our eyes or we get to thinking. And what we see here is the heart of God and the activity of God. He's a listener. Let's admit it. When we're in a conversation, what are you really thinking about? I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next. I'm not thinking about what they're saying. Sometimes I can think about what they're going to say next. You're thinking about when you're having a conversation with a spouse. I know, I know we can struggle with that. I'm thinking about how to fix the problem instead of, instead of listening. Um, we were talking about our day yesterday. What do you want to do? We talked about meals. We talked about all these things we're going to do with our Kate, who's a senior, is about to leave us, and talking about our family. And then she talked about going to the craft fair. Craft fair? Wait, wait, how much, what does that cost? That's when I listened, right? And it did cost, by the way. But anyway, um, we can listen for points of interest. Instead of saying every word matters, I, I, I can only hear the buzzwords, those words. Um, how well do we listen? Last fun thing. These are actual comments that were shared in a court of law. Some of you have heard stuff like this before. But it just shows that we do not listen well. These were actual questions used during trials. The youngest son, the 20-year-old. Now, how old is he? Now, was it you or your younger brother who was killed in the war? Now, Say again, how far apart were the vehicles at the end time of the collision? All right. Doctor, how many autopsies have you ever performed on dead people? All of them. <laughs> Do you recall the time that you examined the body? The autopsy started around 8.30 p.m. Mr. Dennington was dead at the time? No. He was sitting on the table wondering why I was doing an autopsy. <laughs> they say it's 20%. In the conversation where somebody says yes to Jesus Christ, when somebody leads somebody to Christ, okay? Somebody's bowing the knee to Christ, making him Savior and Lord of his life, it's 20%. That's all the person who's introducing the gospel leading a person to Christ, that's all the conversation they should have. So much of our ministry and witness is listening. Yes, got to walk that Roman road. Yes, we've got to talk about Jesus and our need for him to save us from sin and from death. But so much of our ministry is just, do we care enough to get into people's lives and to listen well? A friend of mine who had started some done some wonderful ministries in addiction and, and recovery uh, and started a church in Birmingham just for that. It was a recovery ministry church. He said, I used to just go into Starbucks and put up a sign. Five bucks. Five bucks for your story. I give you a cup of coffee, a five dollar cup of coffee, if you'll just sit down and tell me your story. Who's going to take advantage of that, right? Because again, I pull myself up by my bootstraps. Nobody buys me anything. I'll take care of that, right? 
could hardly keep the chair empty for people that wanted to sit down say, let me tell you what's going on. Let me tell you what I'm struggling with. Um, what a ministry we can have. Who is that in your neighborhood? Who is that in your family? I know they can be difficult. <laughs> I know it can be difficult to listen well. But so many times, it's, it's that that earns us the right then to speak the things we want to speak about Jesus, about his goodness, about a saving power, about a sanctifying power. It's because we've done the work and the ministry, and really the art of listening. Do we care enough to listen? What Jesus is saying to us here, not, not only am I a thanksgiver, but my father, my father's a listener. And you and I who are, are gifted to be made in that image, one of the great ways we can give him glory is, is to be a listener as well. How is it you and I need to do that? We live in an age and a culture of Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and Snapchat. Our culture is screaming, will somebody notice me? Will somebody see me? Who's going to listen? Who's going to ask questions so people can share? Let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for what this word says about your son, that he's a God who can call us out of death. He's a God who's worried about our belief. He wants us to have a belief in him. He's a God who's broken over suffering. We thank you for all of that, but we also thank you for his heart and how he was a giver of thanks. Even at his hour, with all that he had on him, we pray for ourselves today that we would not grow bitter, that we, would, we in our abundance would not be forgetful, but that we would always be people who give thanks. Help us to do that. Help us to teach our children and our grandchildren that. Help us to be a model for that. Not to be nervous to tell others that, hoping that it would encourage and bless them. But Father, as well, we thank you for this revelation from your Son of who you are, that you're a listener. We thank you that you love us and care for us there are days when we struggle and we wonder if you're distant. So we thank you for the truth and the promise of this, your word, that you're a listener. And Father, it's our prayer that if you would hear us, if we need to share this morning, this week, but also by your Holy Spirit, remind us of that great ministry. Open doors for that. Bless us with divine appointments uh, to be your ears and to hear the heart of people who are in struggle or who have questions. We pray for that. Give us a heart for that, an intention for that. For this, your word, for this time together, we give you our thanks and praise. Now bless our response in Christ's name. Amen.